Hey everybody, good afternoon. It's a, it's a joy to be here. I was going to introduce myself as your crazy uncle. Have you ever, that's part of your mission statement, to become a family and be a family together. Have you ever been to a family reunion and someone comes up to you and says, hey, I'm great uncle so-and-so and I know you. And you're like, hey, who's this guy? Where, where's he from? But some family member somewhere knows about you and saw your, your picture of your church plant when you were a little baby church plant on, on the fridge and was praying for it and really excited about it. And that's how I feel about this church plant. Uh, been involved in church planting on the other side of the river, uh, mostly in Pennsylvania, and been Christian family with Joe and Christy for a long time. Uh, we really love them. And we, I just want you to know we pray for you. It's a joy to be family with you and to be here today. So we're going to look at God's Word and the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel, the account of Jesus' life that Luke wrote, and I'm going to uh, preach from a parable today, and a parable is simply a story with a point. So we're in Luke 15, starting with verse 11, and these are the words of Jesus. I'm going to read a little bit, and we'll talk about it, I'll read a little bit more, and we'll talk about it more. Here we go. Verse 11. He also said, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. Now, I, let's just step away for a second. Let's think about how listeners in the first century would hear these words. Okay, it's, it's a distant, you know, it's a dis another time and place. They, they're going to hear it a little bit different than we would, but uh, I'm going to give you some, some help. Imagine, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your parents or if you know their parent, your parents or if they're still living, but imagine saying to one of your parents, hey, when you die, I'm probably going to get some stuff. How about give me that stuff now? and us not have a relationship anymore. Imagine saying to one of your parents, hey, father, when you die, I'm going to get some stuff. How about give me that now, we're going to break off relationship. Imagine deeply offending how, how hurtful the father would be. We have a hurt father. And everybody listening to this, this isn't like a private deal. This isn't like the father wrote a check. This is a public hair takes some stuff. Everybody knows about it. Their small town knows about it. Their, area, their other family members are going to know about it. It would be shameful and embarrassing to the father. He's not just hurt. He's been shamed by one of his, son, by one of his sons. And remember, this is in ancient Israel. They're in God's country, God's promised land. And this son says, you know what, Dad? I want to be far away from my father I want to be far away from my father's God, and I want to be far away from this land. And he goes to an unclean, he goes to a land of idols. And the word translated reckless living, reckless living, have you been to uh, Six Flags Great Adventure? And they have actually brakes on the uh, roller coaster to make it go slower at key points, to make it like manageable and less people throw up and all that good stuff. There's brakes on it. What this means, that word translated, is life without breaks. Life where there, you don't say no to yourself. And that's what this younger son 
did. And everyone hearing it would be like hurt for the father, frustrated at this younger son. Let's see what he does. So he takes all the money and he spends it recklessly, foolishly, life without breaks. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to to get his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. So, look, you don't have to be a Bible expert to know, right, what animal are Israelites, the Jewish people, not supposed to hang out with? What are they not supposed to eat? Pigs, right? And here he is. He's, he's lost his money foolishly, and then some stuff happened out of his control. There's a famine. He's down on his luck, man. He's down as, as far as you can go. He can't work, and he gets this really terrible job. He's, he's degraded himself. And think about how when we sin, we feel dirty. It's a universal human experience. And the only people that don't feel any guilt, they're, they're actually, we're afraid of them. They're sociopaths. There's certain people that don't feel any guilt at all, don't feel like, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, man, I shouldn't have said that out lie. I shouldn't have stolen that. I shouldn't have lashed out in anger. I shouldn't have got drunk again. The only people that never feel that, their heart has been hardened. It's actually a good sign that you feel that because it's reality, spiritual reality. And Jesus gives us a picture here of the degrading, the dirtying that sin does. He's down and dirty. He's becoming animal like himself. He's hanging out with the pigs and wishing what they're eating, I wish I could have that. That's how low he is. And it's a picture of what sin does. It's a picture of of the effects of sin, how it makes us less than what we are meant to be. It hardens us. Um, We have guilt that we deal with. Plus, we've hurt other people, right? Hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And here he is. And then there's this great line. When he comes to himself. Look at this. He comes to his senses. There's a little note in the Bible that says he comes to himself. He, he has a wake-up moment where he says, what am I doing? And listen to what he says. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. Now notice... He doesn't expect to be forgiven. He just says, I'm going to go ask my dad for a job. My dad, at least give me a job. I won't be eating this. And he says it's, it's a respectful Jewish way to say I've sinned against God. Uh, Israelites don't even say the name of God out of respect. So he says, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. He has a wake-up moment, a moment of clarity. He says, I'm, I'm here. It's my fault. I made some choices. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you, Dad. I'm not, don't call me a son. You don't have to do that. Will you give me a job? That's the speech he's practicing in his head. But then listen to the picture that Jesus gives us. So he starts back. Verse 20. So he got up 
and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, means he's a speck in the distance. He's a speck in the distance. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, let's just think about what happened there. Here's the picture Jesus gives us. This son, who everyone knew about, he's a speck in the distance, and the father sees him and runs. You've got to remember, it, it was seen as undignified for like an older man, the father of the family, the patriarch, to just lose himself and run like a little kid on the playground. Fathers don't do that. This father is so overwhelmed with compassion. He's so ready to forgive his son. He's so ready to kiss his son and embrace his son. He loses himself, just runs down the road. And the son says his little speech. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven against you. Notice he's already been kissed and embraced. He's already been hugged. He's already just been swept up in his father's arms. And his father cuts off his lame speech with signs of what? Sonship. He says, go get the best robe. Now, just think this through. Who would own the best robe? Father. Father would own the best robe. Who's going to get it one day? A son. So what's he saying? You are a son again. That, that ring was a family ring. Every sign that he gives them is a sign of reinstated sonship. And he says, you're forgiven. It's clean. And he talks about what he uses this language then about what being a Christian is. You were dead and now you're alive. You were lost and now you're found. He's found and forgiven from his father. He's swept up in his love and he's completely forgiven. Um, it was a real joy to be here today for those baptisms. We're reminded of how God completely washes our sins away. I remember sit, sitting in a class, learning about this church as a 22-year-old man, and I'd read the Bible enough and been in churches before. I knew I needed to be part of a church, and I went to New Life Church just on the edge of the city in Philadelphia, and I was like, I'm going to check. I heard they, they pray a bunch. I'll check this out. And a couple months in, I'm sitting in the back of this class, and they're like, this is what it is to be a part of a church. And a pastor takes me through this passage took the class through, and I'm sitting in the back thinking, this counts for people. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you need to let this sink in. If you're, you're new at this and you're like, is this real? Could I connect with this? This is for you too. I remember thinking, if this, if this is true, if this is really, if this is really the love of the Father for me and all my mess in the areas of my life I can't get together, this is the best news in the universe. This is great. This changes everything. Yeah. If this, is, if this is real, and this is true, and this is the love of the Father, for people like me who can't get it together, and look, my, uh, there's, 
addiction in my family. My dad was an alcoholic. I grew up in an angry house. And uh, early on in our marriage, what all those anger patterns came out. Uh, there was a lot of patterns I had from growing up and how I carried myself, how my anger came out, my temper, uh, the lack of structure, discipline in my life. This is the love of the Father for me. This is the love of the Father for you. Do you know that? Do you know that the depth of the Father's welcome? Friends, this is, this is real. This is true. This is the gospel. I don't care how long. Sometimes, you know who, it's, uh, who this can be really hard for? If you've been around the church for a long time, you think you know this, you might have even heard messages on this before, and you're like, that's for people who are like new at this, but for me, I've got to like earn my way to know the Father's love. This is for you if you've been sitting in pews like this for years. And this is the Father's love for you, and the Father's welcome to you if you're just starting to turn back and you're just starting to wake up in your pig pit and saying, I had to return home. This is for you. Now get this. We're not done with the parable. There's another son. Listen to listen to the rest of the story about the other son. Now the older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother here, he told him, your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, I just want to, this is another cultural thing uh, that we need explained. When they slaughtered the fattened calf, it wasn't like the father said, let's get really good takeout tonight. Much bigger. Okay, let me paint you a picture for some of this happened in real life. One of my friends is named James Bach. He was one of the original South Sudan lost boys. South, in Africa, in the country of Sudan, the nation was at war, and all these boys had to flee. They'd be kidnapped as soldiers. So he walks to Ethiopia. He walks hundreds and hundreds of miles. And a lot of, a lot of teenage boys died on the, on the way. He becomes a Christian in a refugee camp in Ethiopia. And he actually has a chance to come to America, but he, after praying about it, he felt called by God to go to, back to his country and his people and his tribe with the good news of Jesus. And so he shows up. He's been gone 13 years. And he meets some people, and he just assumes his parents have died. They've assumed he's died because they haven't hurt each other in 13 years. And he ends up finding out uh, he's, and this guy, by the way, is the same age as me, about 48. Uh, he ends up finding out, oh, this is where my mom and dad are. And when he's reunited with them, it was so deeply emotional because they thought he was gone forever. They just held each other for a half an hour and couldn't speak. They're just overwhelmed. You're alive. And uh, he says, yeah, uh, I've become a Christian I believe in Jesus. This is what that is. And the elders of that town considered that message. It led to the planting of 30 churches in that tribe, the Dinka tribe. Yeah, how about that? And he still, ser he still serves there. I was with James Bach uh, in South Sudan in January. 
this is what his dad did to celebrate. Now think about uh, being in a place where you're going to make like a couple dollars if you work for a day, literally a couple dollars. And a male bull is worth $500, $500. So over like, you know, it's what, about almost a year's wage? And his father slaughtered two of those to celebrate the return of his son. And they invite the whole town and everyone they know and all their family to celebrate and sing. And there's not refrigeration, so you know what we're going to do. We're going to keep on having this feast till it's all gone. And you've come a ways to celebrate with me. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime party, like a wedding reception. It's over in a night. This is a once-in-a-lifetime party. So that's, that's the kind of celebration that now the older brother is coming in. There's just this epic celebration. The father has spared no expense. He's given away the best robe. He's given away all the stuff. And the older brother, who hasn't screwed up, comes up and says, hey, what's going on here? Oh, we slaughtered the, fam the fattened calf for this guy? Now, what do you think the older brother's going to do? Is he going to say, wow, that's really great. We can take uh, younger brother here off the prayer list. Dad's really been worried. Man, he'll really be relieved. It's good that he have him home. Is that his reaction? Listen to what happens. He became angry, verse 24. He didn't want to go in. He became angry. He didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. And he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, the father said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, it's very interesting. This the older brother, he's on the outside of the party. He's on the outside, literally. He's missing the whole deal, and he's angry. The father goes out and pleads with him. He's trying to talk him off the ledge. And why did everyone look down on the younger brother? Well, he won the father's stuff, right? He said, hey, how about you give me the stuff, and I'm going to disappear. What's the, younger, what's the older brother say? The older son says, I've slaved for you. He doesn't say, Father, I've served you out of love. He says, Father, I've slaved for you. What did I get for it? He's angry. And he's, he's totally ticked about the grace of the father towards his other brother. He's like, I can't believe you gave away what you did. He actually wanted his father's stuff too. He just had a different method to get it. His younger brother, the younger son, breaks the rules to get what he wants. The older son keeps the rules to get what he wants. Neither of them are living in the love of the father. Now, uh, at the top of Luke 15, these are the first couple verses of Luke 15. Here's why Jesus tells this parable. Here's what's going on. The tax collectors and the, quote, sinners were approaching to listen to him, that is, Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. People 
can't believe it. They're scandalized because of who Jesus is hanging out with. And Jesus is eating with them like they're friends or something. He's, he's, he's hanging out with the drug addicts. He's hanging out with the prostitutes. He's calling them into change in their life and to know the forgiveness of God. But look who he's hanging out with. And people's lives are being changed. But we can't believe, the church people say, we can't believe you're hanging out with them. And then Jesus tells actually three parables about lost things being found. The first is about a lost sheep. Shepherd finds the lost sheep, so happy. Second is a lost coin. The woman finds a lost coin, she's so happy. And the third is a lost son. And the father finds him and he's so happy. And then it's like a trap door opens in the story because you know what? There's another lost son. And who are the lost sons? Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the church people. He's talking to the church people who are outside the party, and they're also lost. And so this, this sermon's entitled, Two Ways to Be Lost and Saved, because there's actually uh, there's two different ways to be lost in the parable. Some people, they say, uh, younger son type people say, you know what, life is found by breaking the rules, and you don't want to be a Christian because you think of yourself as a free person. I don't need God. I'm a free person. I want to do what I want to do. And you think, I'll have life if I can just break the rules and do what I want. If I can do whatever I want, life's going to work for me. That's like the, the younger son MO for life. I get to do what I want. Life's going to work out for me. The older son, life is not found in breaking the rules, but what? Keeping the rules. Life is found, this is the person that's like the conscientious recycler. They do it all correctly. They judge their neighbors. They are on honor roll in high school. Life is found in keeping the rules. This person can also reject Jesus. You know why? This person rejects Jesus because they say, I'm a good person. I don't need God. Why would I need God? I'm good. Look what I've been doing. This person will also not know Jesus, follow Jesus, be saved by Jesus. The younger son, where is he lost? Outside the church, right? He doesn't need this stuff. He's outside the church, usually. The older son type person is lost inside the church, sits there and says, I've been coming, I've been doing this, but basically rejects the love and forgiveness rejects Jesus because I'm a good person. The funny thing is, both kind of people need to be saved by Jesus. Both kind of people need to be welcomed into the party and experience the love of God. And God's heart is for them for, for them all. Uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, they look down on who, who was coming to Jesus. It's a shame because they're missing the party. The parties... In all the stories of Jesus, they symbolize the kingdom of God and the presence of God and how history is going to end. And so to be on the outside looking in on that party is to miss the whole thing. And there the father goes out and is talking them off the ledge. And this whole parable, this is it shows the depth of God's love for younger son type people, but it's also an effort to get older son type people back in the party. Hey, scribes and Pharisees, you're flipping out because of who Jesus is, is uh, eating with. Hey, church people, you're missing the joy of God, the love of God, uh, the forgiveness of God. You're looking down on who's coming to Jesus. You're, you're missing out. You know, you're, you're on the outside looking in, and it's an invitation. It's a, 
it's a way that Jesus is actually reaching out to church people to invite them to experience the joy of God. Friends, do you know the love of the Father? Reflect on your own life. Is your MO, are you sort of a little bit more younger, son? You kind of want to do what you want. You think of like God's way of life, not as his loving guide rails for your life. God, like a loving parent, says, don't put your hands in fire. God, like a loving parent, says, don't run out in the street. And you might think of God's rules like God is trying to, uh, you know, get in your way. That's younger son thinking. Rather than God's plan for your life and his commands for your life is his protecting your joy, protecting your sanity, protecting your very life. Uh, some of you here are probably, you've probably been doing church type stuff for a long time, and there might be a slow drift towards older son type thinking. You remember the NBC show on The Office? Joe's going to make fun of me later because he's heard me use this illustration before. That's, a, that's fine. I can handle it. I can handle anything. Uh, NBC's The Office, there's one Christian on the show. Who is it? It's this woman named Angela. And this is Angela on the show. If you've ever, if you, it doesn't matter if you've never seen the show. I'll tell you about it. Here's her deal. She's so older brother. She's so older son. She never smiles. She never has any delight in anybody else. There's no any softness. And she's judgmental. She's judgmental on others. And uh, she's looking down on others. And the funny thing is, she's a secret hypocrite herself. And that's our world saying, okay, why is that character written on that show? That's our world saying, sometimes when we get near the church, we don't experience the welcome of God. We don't experience, you know, what's your mission statement? No matter where you are, no matter who, what you've done, no matter what's happened this week, what's happened this weekend, come experience newness in God. Come experience new life in God. Come experience the forgiveness of Jesus. And sometimes... When people get near the church, they don't experience that welcome which you are seeking to live out in Gloucester. They don't experience that welcome. They smell the spirit of the older brother. And you know what? He didn't smell that good. Yeah. Let's, so church people, let's live out the welcome of the gospel. Everyone, let's experience the love of the Father. That's what we're called to. And we're going to come to this table where it's not just words, but this table is this welcome and experience and this grace that we can taste. Would you allow me to pray for us? Let's pray together as we come to this table. Father, we thank you that your welcome is this deep and your forgiveness is this real. And that you save church people from being too good for Jesus and you save rebels who want to run away from you. You welcome them home. We thank you that you're that good. You do that. I pray for every person here for them to know the love of the Father. Lord, that you bring us into. We thank you so much. We're reminded today you wash us and make us new. We thank you for baptism. We thank you for the Lord's Supper. Uh, work in our hearts as we come to this table, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.